There's a lot of weird and confusing passages in the Bible. Uh, one of them is this passage in a book called Ephesians, where the writer, Paul, says to the community, wives submit to your husbands. Now, that's not the only thing he says. He says a lot more, but a lot of Christians have taken that, those few words out of context and just applied them to families. Now, I can tell you, if I tried to say that to my wife, that would go over like a lead balloon. Our relationship just doesn't work like that. Chances are your relationship with your partner also doesn't work like that. But yet that text is in the Bible and sometimes we have to wrestle with it. And so we're gonna wrestle with it today in the context of the broader argument that Paul is making. Now, before you zone out on me, this actually has something to do with our new series that we're in called You Are Not Alone. Because we're talking about how family is a place where we can find connection and belonging. Now that may not be your experience of family. Your experience of family may actually be an experience of loneliness. Your family may have not been a safe place to be. Uh, but in this message today, our senior pastor, McGray De Vega, is gonna kind of wade through that messiness of family, of marriage, of relationships, and how all that can work when it's healthy in a way to make us feel like we are connected and like we belong. Whether that's with your biological family or your chosen family, or your church family. So I hope you'll check out this message and I'll be back at the end to tell you some next steps that you can take. Let's pray together. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. It was inevitable that a worship series on improving our relationships would eventually explore those within our own families. These are persons closest to us who have most shaped who we are and have, in many cases, also been the most problematic. The character Claire Underwood in the television show House of Cards said it this way, the people that know us best know best how to hurt us. Our families are our greatest source of joy and conflict, love and struggle. So it's no surprise that in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul spends nearly an entire chapter talking about family dynamics, which begs the question of us today, how can we have stronger relationships within our own families, as husbands and wives, as parents and children, as members with our wider extended family? This is important to Paul. Because if you look at the broader context of his letter to the Ephesians, he is convinced that stronger families will mean stronger homes. Stronger homes can mean stronger communities of faith. And a stronger church, a, a stronger body of Christ, will mean a stronger witness of love and compassion to others, resulting in a stronger, more loving world. Envision this idea as a series of concentric circles with strong families in the middle, with ever-growing and ever-widening circles of impact reaching throughout the world. This image will be helpful as we look at this morning's scripture reading, which begins with a rather controversial and difficult scripture to read and understand, because it begins with these six words. Wives, be subject to your husbands. That's a fun phrase, huh? Let me just say to the married men, I would highly recommend that you avoid quoting this verse to your spouses. 
There has been great harm done to women in the name of Christianity over the years based on a a skewed and unrestrained interpretation of this passage. Over the centuries, biblical passages like these have been used to support growing power differentials between men and women, to create a kind of power hierarchy that has widened the gulf of inequality between men and women. This kind of inequality and power differential is not part of the biblical vision for marriage. The same thing can be said in what Paul tells husbands, by the way. Husbands, love your wives. This is not a patriarchal kind of love. It's not a top-down kind of love. It is not a patronizing, placating kind of love. It is love in the most divine sense, one of complete self-giving and self-sacrifice to your spouse. There is no power differential whatsoever. Years ago, I attended a wedding with my ex-wife, Jessica, and our two young girls. The pastor presiding over the wedding got to the vows, and he first turned to the husband and asked if he would love, honor, and cherish his wife, to which he said, I do. And then he turned to the bride and asked if she would love, honor, and obey her husband to which she said, I do. To which Jessica said to me afterwards, wait a minute, this pastor said only she has to do the obeying? True enough, these were two different sets of vows in which only the bride was asked to obey. Jessica and I were both stunned. And even though the pastor may have felt like he had good biblical reason to differentiate the vows, the truth is his was not a full vision of biblical marriage. Any marriage of two people requires equal measure of self-sacrifice and self-giving love. When God created marriage in Genesis, the Bible says that the two should leave their families and quote, the two shall become one. In other words, the miracle of marriage is that one plus one equals one. One whole, complete, God-created and God-inspired person unites with another whole, complete, God-created and God-inspired person to create one whole and complete life together. This is not about two half-people coming together as one in which they need the other person to feel complete for themselves. They are already whole and complete but neither is it one plus one equals two in which they are to withhold some part of who they are from the other person once they're married. The biblical vision for marriage is that two people, each whole and complete, give of themselves, submitting to each other, loving each other to create one whole life together. One plus one equals one. That's the miracle of marriage. Now, I would say to you that in my experience, both in unhealthy aspects of my own marriage and in the troubled marriages that I've ministered to over the years, the problems in a marriage happen when the couple deviates from that formula and makes it something else. Sometimes they make it one half plus one half equals one, in which each person in the marriage loses sight of their own individual worth their own unique personhood, their own talents and ambitions and dreams, 
And they let that go in order to make the marriage work. They each become half people, unfulfilled in what God has created each of them to be. Sometimes the couple makes it one plus one equals two, in which the couple drifts apart in order to maintain their own uniqueness, rather than working together to fulfill each of their talents and ambitions and dreams. And they slowly become two separate people with separate lives. Biblical marriage can seem challenging and even irrational. And that's because it is. But it is a miracle, a gift from God. One plus one equals one. The good news is in this passage, Paul gives us a key ingredient. It's one that he shares throughout his letter to the Ephesians, and it is the key to all of our family relationships, not just our marriages. It's found in the first verse of our scripture reading today, Ephesians 5, verse 21. Quote, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is not about a hierarchy of power and authority. This is not about one spouse having control over the other. This is about all of us being under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, which means that all of us are equally responsible for and to each other. And this applies to all aspects of family relationships, whether we're talking about marriage or parenthood or relationships with wider family members. If you want to draw closer together, then draw closer to Jesus. The closer you move toward Christ, the more you will draw closer to each other. I invite you for a moment to picture members of your family, all standing in one big circle, all looking in toward the center of the circle. Now imagine the circle spread out far so that there are wide distances between you and other members of your family, because maybe there's a family member with whom you've had a long-standing conflict. And while that person is in the circle with you, that person is far away from you. Some members of your family are closer to you in that circle, but others are far away based on whatever relationship you have with them. Now, picture that in the center of that circle is Jesus. And imagine that as you each take a step closer to Jesus, strengthening your own personal relationship and commitment to Christ, then the radius of that big family circle begins to shrink. And what happens is that you all as a family come closer and closer together. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you become with each other. But the opposite is true as well, because if you begin to wander further away from Jesus, then the radius widens and you drift further apart from your family. This is the essence of Ephesians chapter five. It is not about forced submission or power differentials or coercion or abuse or any of the ways that this text has been used to harm marriages and individuals over the years. This is about people strengthening their families by first each strengthening their commitment to Jesus. That's why Paul begins this passage with these words, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Grow closer to each other by growing closer to Jesus. One more thing 
I recognize that today some of you may feel like this message is not for you. You may be single or divorced or widowed. You may not have had much of a family or you may not have much of a family left. Or you may be longing to find that special someone and to have a family of your own someday. In the context of a worship series titled, You Are Not Alone, a message about marriage and family might remind you of just how alone you feel. So I would encourage you with this. This same principle can bring you hope today. Your primary job is to seek after Jesus Christ and be the best follower of Jesus you can be. And as you draw closer and closer to Christ, this inevitable thing will happen. You will begin to see a crowd forming with you around Jesus of other people who are drawing closer to him as well. And you will discover others that are with you and that will surround you in true friendship and love. And you will see once again that you really are not alone. Which brings us back to the original paradigm of the book of Ephesians. Stronger families will mean stronger homes. Stronger homes can mean stronger communities of faith. And a stronger church, a stronger body of Christ will mean a stronger witness of love and compassion to others, resulting in a stronger, more loving world. This is the miracle of love in our families, in our relationships, and in the world. Let's pray together. God, thank you for our families. Thank you for the ones who loved us into being and whose relationships shape us to this day. We admit the imperfections in all our families, entrusting them to you for healing and strength and reconciliation. Empower us to draw closer to you and therefore closer to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this message. I hope you find it helpful. I hope it maybe helped you think about your family of origin, or like I said at the beginning, your chosen family, the family, the people that you care about that make you feel like you belong. If you don't have anybody, um, I hope you'll pray about ways that you might find a community to be a part of. Down in the notes below, we have some next steps you can take, including joining a small group, which might help you start finding some connection and some community. We also have reflection questions if you wanna go deeper with the message. I'm Matt Hotho. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.